0: Welcome, welcome all to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast, the Spooky Edition, pre-Halloween, October 26th, a Tuesday, 2021. No, I'm not dressed up in the Link costume, I uh, should have been. That's Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I'm Pat Contrary. On the show today, we'll be talking <clears throat> about lots of fun stuff, uh, N64, Expansion Pack Games are out on Switch Online, and boy, are people, people are super happy about that. People are mild. Um We'll, we'll dive into what exactly is in those television physical products. We'll dive into that. Um, it'll be sh- the news will shock you. We, we have a, a, a Patreon poll topic. We got voicemails. We'll go over paranormal stuff for, for Halloween. Ian, mean, what did you do this past weekend? Did you have
1: fun? Yeah. I uh, went to my first like concert since before COVID. Oh. On Friday, I went to the Casbah in San Diego. You rocked the Casbah? Yep. Uh, Trey got a hold of Vonnie and I earlier in the week and was like, Hey, I've got extra tickets for this show. Do you wanna go with Emily and I? And I was we were like, Yeah. I love hanging out with Treg. It's fun we've the... done that in a while.
0: Right. So look at those fringe benefits from working at Luna still p- falling following
1: through. <laughs> oh I I got it. I got I got fucking hooked up. So I went in there yesterday to finally uh I think I talked about the story a little bit. It was actually a mini tales from the game store, I think, that uh, I talked about on the first Bonus podcast we did. Oh, um, I went and actually picked up my lavender Hannah Montana PSP, and I'm just so excited!
0: I You're finally got it. patreoncom says, right. you can Listen to all about that tale. See what I do? I work it in.
1: Um, <laughs> see, 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 see how good I am.
0: Uh, anyways,
1: yeah, I got hooked up on that. Uh, but yeah, so we went, and I didn't even know who the band was. It was uh, some like uh, dark electronic act called Contravoid. It was Contravoid. It was extremely loud and good. Uh, it was wonderful. I had a that's wonderful me. time, and then um, went to Taco Fest on Saturday with Vani. Uh, our annual tradition. Uh, ate a lot of tacos. Had an eggplant tofu taco that was just out of this world. By the way, your, your bags in the front there. You can leave it there. I don't care. Just yeah, you know. that's cool. Um, watched the uh, Chihuahua beauty pageant. Oh, really? I love watching the Chihuahua. I like Chihuahuas. They're, they're usually quiet and cute. This is what I was talking about. Like, so I was talking about with our friend Tom and uh, with someone else. Some people recently. hate Chihuahuas. I think they're fine. I grew up hating Chihuahuas. Hated them. Oh, Hated.
0: You had a hatred for Chihuahuas. I just didn't like them at all growing you know, up. You know, and Taco then Bell dog?
1: And then suddenly I, I met like my friend's Chihuahua. It wasn't even like a friend. It was an acquaintance. And uh, me and that dog fucking bonded. Loved that dog. And then every Chihuahua I started to see, I was like, I, these are kind
0: of cool dogs. I fucking love Chihuahuas. Love them. I, I used to see people, people to swap me. They take them around little strollers, and they're just quiet dogs hanging out. They're, S- sometimes they're a little shaky. They're looking yeah. around. They're like they're just minding
1: their own business. I I think I think it's because I can. Um, they
0: don't attack you.
1: I connect with Chihuahuas. I understand. I can understand shakiness. the shakiness. could be shaky and nervous can,
0: too. <laughs> if, if you were talking to you, <laughs> if I was a
1: dog, I'd probably but be a like, Chihuahua.
0: That's why some dogs I like. Okay, I like eat. It's weird. I don't like the dogs in the middle. I like small dogs. That mind their business like Chihuahuas or big like Huskies and smart dogs that also mind their own business but are smart. Right. Everything else in the middle, the yappers, the toy dogs, don't like them. Like I'm very specific on my dogs. There's probably only a one percent chance I'll ever own a dog, but like if I owned a dog, it would probably be like a Chihuahua mm-hmm. or like a Husky. Like I seem like they have are our, our, our similar intelligence. Those two dogs, If one just minds their own business. The other one's like a you know, like a worker or like a like a lab or a Golden Retriever. You know, that's that's my, that's the only dogs I like. All three of those or <laughs> four. But this isn't about me, is it? No. Was there a taco du jour of that day or no? Uh, if I had to pick a number one
1: taco, it was either the eggplant tofu one or the. Uh, eggplant tofu? Yeah, it was eggplant and tofu. It was a vegan taco. I, I, it was an attempt. Good. It was an attempt at a vegan taco. Well, I say attempt because none of these actually like, taste very taco y, but they're always very delicious. Um, the Chicharron's taco-y. taco is good, though. What,
0: how does something t- t- taste taco y?
1: Uh, you know, it doesn't have like the usual taco spices necessarily.
0: Oh. um,
1: like but, the, That's in the meat you mean or the taco sauce? Yeah, like the cumin and stuff like that. The chicharron's taco was really good too. Fried crispy pork skin. Oh. Yeah, just crunchy and delicious. Was crunchy, not crunchy. 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 So yeah, that was pretty much my weekend Sunday. I played D&D. Sunday was when I threw my back out even worse. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm floating through life right now. Um, Cairo got that.
0: Baby. Yeah, I've be, been doing. Been doing. Use, use Pat's gift. Been doing. I was at Metropalooza, first time in three years, Arlington, uh, Texas. We talked about our, my experience at the, the great tw- tw- uh, Twisted Root Burger place on the exclusive Patreon podcast. Well, let's not bring it up until the end of the podcast. Um, But uh, it was great uh, to come out there. I bought, like, a few computer games. Um, this, this is how you know I'm getting... Uh, Jesus. Like, I like blanked out when you, you you misfired that in my brain. I got the hint I got the original hint book, the old OG hint books for King's Quest two when, when you use the marker. Those are probably hard to find. I had the marker still. And then I got the Leadership Larry. Oh, you need the marker the to marker like, to undo it. Yeah. It's almost like magic marker mm-hmm. or like disappearing ink stuff. And then um then I got the Leadership Larry original one, which was a little bit later and it had the red the red see through card thing, you know, the red line thing to look through. Yeah, but it was cool to find like the marker one. Those are probably not easy to find those anymore. Um, So I got that. The markers Uh, where
1: you like scribble something on and then like the text appears.
0: It's literally like you go over the line. uh, Do you remember
1: uh, when they uh, made like activity books that used to come with those markers?
0: I never had one, but my parents didn't love me enough to get me that. Sorry. I mean they were cheap. Well, that makes it worse. Yes, a dollar. Yes. So it was an Uh. etch-a-sketch. I never had one. (laughs) Sketch was like five dollars. Anyway. so it was a great time, seeing everyone out there. I hung out with my pal uh, Pixel Dan, your pal, and Christina, his better half. And it was great to see people. It was it was funny. It was, it was like the combo books because uh, Dan came out with this great uh, Masters of the Universe toy guide, which is literally like the same dimensions of the of the NES and Superintendent books. It's actually a, a slightly thicker book, but I mean, you look at the threading's the same color. It, it might come from the same you know printing press somewhere in Asia. Who knows? Um, and it was funny to see. People walking around with those. He sold out of his books. Oh, nice! Um, it's he a good out.
1: book. I had a lot of fun reading through it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it was good talking to Dan about you know just bonding the, over the, the the heartache and troubles of putting these big gigantic books together. It's definitely an experience. And he's working on an, he's working on another book. He's working on another one. Um, but yeah, they, they've been they've been doing well. You saw my you saw my arcade stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did dance see your arcade so stance. So that was at the, the the little arcade section. Not too late. About twenty five. Thirty games at uh, at Retsa Palooza, and uh, there are people playing uh, some Street Fighter Championship. I will say this before I get into it: I'm not I'm not making excuses for my performance. I I did not have a bad performance, mm-hmm. but it was not an original Street Fighter cabinet. Not only that, the button layouts were fucked. The buttons were not like next to each other. You, like this this is how the big, the space was between the buttons, Ian. You had to do that mm. to hit all three buttons, yeah, which big. made combos and switching back and forth between, like, low and high punts really oh, right. tough. Far more difficult. Yeah, because you, you couldn't just, like... So, not just that. The the joysticks were, like, felt super tight. And I know Championship tightened up the controls in general, but, like, something was seemed a little off. And it wasn't just me saying that. It was my opponents as well. Doesn't matter, though. Pat went 7-1. and one. Seven wins in a row. They lined up. They knocked them all down with Ryu. Finally, I lost to Blanca because I couldn't counter with the sh- I couldn't throw a Shoryuken to save my life to counter the uh, jumping arm attack. It's not much you can do with that. You got to do a Shoryuken or hopefully get your uppercuts in, but you usually get hit. But no, it was fun. It was fun to defend my, my Street Fighter honor there. That was before I went, we went to uh, uh, Twisted Root. No, it was, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Speaking of fun times, Ian, the Castlevania video with me, and uh, our, our pal Gerard, the completionist, is out. came out this weekend. Ian already saw it. He loved it.
1: I watched it five or six times.
0: Five or six times? You, or you, six. you put it on 2x speed and went through it mm, five or six
1: times? Uh, one instance of it on each monitor.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, no, it was, it was a fun video. I mean, we did that video nine years ago, originally. The original one. So it was fun to revisit it and see how much my hair had evolved in nine years, basically. That was that was short hair, Pat. That's how long ago it was. Jeez. That was that was uh, BLH, b- before long hair. You can say that. Before curly hair? BC. Yeah, BC. BC, before curly before hair. Before curly Yeah, there you go. You see what Hasbro did over the weekend here? Yeah, they got into that NFT shit.
1: <laughs> they were doing their
0: Hasbro that. Pulse, which I guess is their online event. Pulse, to announce things. Pulse.
1: So... I'm 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 a little I, my understanding of this is and I'm not happy about this. My understanding is that they're they're selling NFTs and you have to have the NFT to even have a chance at getting one of their actual toys. Well, okay. So, they're launching its first Power Rangers NFT, which can be used to redeem a special edition of the Dino Megazord. Revealed Friday during Hasbro's PulseCon, the collection of Power Rangers NFTs will be available through Sunday, including digital artwork of a black-and-gold Dino Megazord and the individual Dino-themed Zords that make it up. Customers who purchase one can redeem it for a physical version of the Megazord called the Lightning Collection Zord Ascension Project Special Edition Dino Megazord.
0: Okay. So you buy the NFT, it's two hundred dollars. Yep. But in theory, you trade that in for the toy. Yes. Yes. So so you are trading it. It's a one to one. Like it's not an opportunity. Okay. It's a a trade in, right? So my point. So what? Why is this better or necessary versus just a pre order? What's the difference? I mean, I guess you could trade ownership of this, but somehow is that why? Or they like why? Like why the NFT? No, it's,
1: it's literally, at, at this point, I think it's to, uh, the only way I think NFT is going to take off is if you attach it with something physical. I mean, that's the funny thing about this. They're, NFT is supposed to be for digital art, but they're trying to get people into it by being like, but you also get the physical version of the Zord as well. It's ridiculous.
0: But this is basically a pre order for the whatever yes, the it's Lightning pre- Collection. It's, it's, it's a, a pre order for it. Lightning Collection Zord Ascension Project Special Edition Dino Megazord. Is that a joke? That name? Holy crap. It's like seventeen names right there. I think one of the other things they're
1: doing is you if you buy this, you can get the physical one, but you have to it looks like you have to exchange the NFT for yes. it. So there are definitely going to be people people who I don't think are very smart. that will are, get two of them? No, that buy it and don't – well, either buy two of them or buy it and don't exchange it for the physical oh, or because they want to see if you, the NFT ends up being worth something you, in the future. And you
0: only have one week to exchange it. it yeah, so like. you have to think. Yeah. Like, who's going to get this? I think this is going to go up, especially if, if there's no value after the 8th of November. You can't exchange it for anything.
1: I don't know. People who think NFTs inherently have value. And
0: Hasbro wins because then if they'll have extra stock laying around. They can still sell for 200 bucks or Right. No, no. I can't picture anyone that would actually spend two hundred dollars on this and not redeem it. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it, and they're going to think it's four D chess. Four D chess. Someone's going to do what it, and they're the... going
1: to think they're the, the, the fucking specialist person
0: in the world. What is that Smartest fourth thing? dimension in four D chess? I always wonder what is that fourth dimension because time is not a dimension. I think I think that was been established. It's, I think I think it's like this. The empty, It's like the infinite space thing, or like void space. I mean, it's, it's just like, a way
1: to make something sound complicated. Like the that Twilight
0: not... Zone episode. Yeah. You remember they go in the wall. The, the girl gets trapped in space, basically, in like the void.
1: Not exactly. I don't, I, I don't remember that. You one. don't
0: remember that episode? No. It's a great episode. Very um, experimental. Oh, this... by the way, Ian, going back real quick to uh, Retro Palooza. I have a present for you. Close your eyes. A present for you, because you because you brought it up. Open your eyes. Someone someone was nice enough to hear oh that. geez.
1: My own personal can of crack. Thank you. <laughs> what is it? It's, for the, the uh, it's the uh, Peach Rings uh, G Fuel, the uh, Sonic uh, flavor. It's delicious. It's also far more caffeine than anyone should intake at one time. Oh, that's,
0: that's too much caffeine.
1: So I will, uh, I, will, I will drink half of that and then
0: drink the drink other half, half later. Plug it, plug it with a cork to keep the carbonation. Yep. So I guess could work. Um, and then drink the rest later. Yeah, what is that? Is that a 12-ounce can? 300
1: milligrams per 16
0: fluid ounce. That's 16 ounce. So that's a double can. Yeah! Wow, that's like the old. Remember the old Arizona uh, iced tea cans like that? They still make them. I love it. I mean, it's okay, delicious. It's diabetes-free. I was a gonna box, say it's pre but... diabetes in, Actually, a, in a can. Actually,
1: the funny thing about those is, is if you look at the 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 health, uh, the, like the uh, nutrition facts on them, they're not as bad as like pop, not as bad as Gatorade in terms of sugar, really. Yeah, in, in terms carbs? of sugar and carbs, they're not. Arizona they're... iced tea isn't that bad. You're saying the iced tea? It's specifically the iced tea. Once you get into the um and, and that goes for the fruit iced teas. Once you get into like the the watermelonade and the grape aid and oh, stuff like just, that, all, then it's just, it. yeah. But the iced teas are a hundred and fifty calories per can.
0: Which is Are you sure? Yes. Once that's per serving, there's two it's servings.
1: 50, it's fifty per serving, there's three servings per can. It's a hundred and fifty. That's shockingly low to me. Yeah. Well it's iced tea, man. That's like having a devil dog. Um yeah, so it's really not bad. It's like I said, once you get into the other drinks it gets very It gets a lot worse but um yeah Vonnie was uh was um surprised to find that out too because it's actually better for you than like a a gatorade
0: yeah you know gatorade is you should not i don't know anyone ever drink gatorade just for leisure it's to to replenish like when you work out or when you're sick i used to drink it all the time when i worked in restaurants because i was
1: constantly moving
0: yeah that's what it's for like they advertise it for athletes or like i said if you're sick the best thing is to have gatorade if you can't Uh, keep down food, you do the Gator. It has electrolytes, it has enough sugar. That's when I drink it when I'm sick, or if I'm like, if I, like I said, when I did restaurant work or anything where I was on my feet a lot. Sure. Uh, You want to talk about this craziness, Ian, with Pokemon cards? So COVID relief funds were used for a Pokemon card. A man fraud, this is from uh, USA Today. Man in Georgia. Georgia. Georgia man fraudulently received COVID relief funds, and he spent 57000 on a Pokemon card. Yep. One Pokemon card. Uh, he, it, it, it's funny when
1: you look at what they're charged with. He was charged with wire fraud because of it. Oh, um, okay.
0: Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's transferring funds between states. Yeah.
1: He claimed he was the sole owner of a business that brought in 235000 in a 12-month span and had 10 employees. Received a deposit of eighty five thousand in terms of COVID relief funds. Uh, five months later, on January eighth, he spent fifty seven thousand seven hundred eighty nine on a Pokemon card. The card was not described in court documents. And rare Pokemon <laughs> cards can be worth hundreds of thousands. So that's the sad thing. We don't actually know what card it was. What card it was? But there's uh, at this point,
0: that's not that weird. There's lots of cards that could go for that much. Uh, this was not a PPP loan. Economic injury disaster loan. Design helps businesses experiencing hardship because of COVID pandemic. So obviously, it's, so it's haha, it's fun. But these funds could have went elsewhere potentially. And and yes, they did do like a second round of like PPP and everything. But like it was tough for that first round. A lot of the big corporations got that they were pre prepared with lawyers and they got the money right away. And it hurt a lot of small businesses. But way, don't be a fucking asshole and do this shit. It's yeah. ridiculous. And now you're going to go to prison. Uh, and get fined.
1: Up to twenty years in prison and two hundred and fifty
0: thousand dollars in fines if convicted. I don't think he'll go to he'll go to prison for twenty years, but they'll probably set him away for a few, a few years and, and a fine. Yeah, like, like you think you're gonna get away with? it? <laughs> I guess they do. That's why people do it. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of people try to get the COVID funds and 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 made up like oh I have a I have a business with like forty employees and getting the PPP. It's like you don't think it's gonna catch up with you? Yeah. At some point, maybe a sneak, few sneak through the cracks. I don't know. There's a, there's always government fraud when it comes to this because people are assholes. There's a lot of assholes out there. A lot of slime balls. A lot of slime balls. Take advantage of the of the, the common uh, good right there. Uh, on the bottom of this article, uh, man who faked his own death gets sentenced to 56 months for COVID business loan fraud. Wow. Um, and then this other one, Ferrari, Bentley, Lamborghini. California man. I saw this article before, I think a few weeks back. California man fraudulently got $5 million in COVID-19 <laughs> relief money, authorities say. Jesus. There you go. Jesus. Good Christ. times. Good times.
2: That's
1: insane.
0: Uh... What's also insane is is, is Ubisoft uh, emailing you after you, you stopped playing your game.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh hassling you after you've stopped playing the game. Don't do that to me, Ubisoft. <laughs> uh I, when I don't I I never finish games. Last thing I want to be reminded about is how I'm not finishing my games uh, in my email. So yeah, Ubisoft. Apparently, you have to sign up for an Ubi account to do a lot of. I don't know if that's what it's called. Ubi account? An, an Ubi account? Are you are you an Oopster? Is that part of? Are you an Oopster? Is that what they call well, their right. listeners? Ubisoft is like, hey there, Oopsters. Hey Oopsters. Hey Oopsters. Oopster Oopsters. Club. Get your pin. Hey Oopsters. Um. Anyways. Uh. So yeah, someone's reporting that Ubisoft is sending out. Um, taunting emails that harass players who have not played uh, and says you disappoint me it was amusing uh, watching you fail it was
0: amusing watching which, you fail it's a dict- you're fighting against a dictator in like, yeah. sort of like a Cuba type of environment oh, and, um,
1: hola Rojas I wanted to thank you for giving me free reign and Yara take it easy and know that Yara is in capable hands El presidente, and then it taunts you uh, with the amount of time you have played which is only three hours for this
0: person you can't, you can't save save the you can't save the, the, the country in three hours? Oh man. You can't save Yara in three hours?
1: Don't hassle us, Ubisoft. You know what's not a hassle, Pat?
0: What's not a hassle, Ian?
1: Go on to ultimate nintendo dot com. Wow,
0: man. Ian, why is that not a hassle? What
1: can you get there? You can get books, you can get pins, you can get RBI baseball stickers. Um I don't know, probably other stuff. <laughs> You're holding it
0: together until probably other stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. You're welcome. I do appreciate that. That's how Ian says I want to move, up, move it on along. And I'll be on uh, Twitch Wednesday night. Uh, Halloween themed. We're going to try to f- find a couple of Elvira blocks uh, from the past uh, on 80s Commercial Vault, the YouTube channel, uh, twitch.tv slash country And I also found the original Shocktober commercials, I remembered, from WPIX New York, uh, which was Channel 11, which was, uh, you know, that was like pre. I think they were like WB. That was like pre pre WB uh, Channel Eleven. They showed you know they they they'd have like not no original program. They had their own news. They would show like the Yankee games and they do like syndicated uh, shows and movies. So in October it became it became Shocktober, and every night during the week at like eight they would show uh, a heavily edited horror movie. One night a week, they would do, like, Friday the 13th, like, one through five. It's
1: hilarious how much those movies are edited for TV.
0: (laughs) I mean, mean everything got edited out. I mean everything. They, no they, boobs, no no gore. No boobs. No, no, I mean, you didn't see anyone getting stabbed yeah, by Freddy Krueger, or like they would cut away. I that
1: stuff was like purpose built. It was still to be, scary like, though to be like background
0: it. noise for like yeah. trick or treats. Oh, you I, throw it on the TV and you walk. Oh, away that's why I did that. my. That's when I was finishing my homework up. Yeah. At eight o'clock at night doing that stuff, And I'm like, this is like late '80s, early '90s. I remember there was one that did up to like Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, which that came out like '88, '89. So like around there because they were doing like uh, about, manhattan
1: i think is 88 yeah because
0: they were they were doing one a year in the 80s about yeah i was so, gonna say because i think six uh, is 86 that would make sense so or 87 so like oh, yeah. this must have been i was like 10 years old they would do this so they did they did this up to the early 90s uh, on wpix uh new york july 28th 1989 was when that movie came out it was new york's movie station that's what they used to call it because on sundays they show you like they'd have twins on sunday afternoon the sunday movie and then it was it was marvelous. Anyway, I found commercial blocks, not commercials. I found the the commercial there. So, come to Twitch tomorrow night. I won't be dressed up in a costume, but there's like a two percent chance I will be. I dressed up as He Man a couple of years ago. Remember a few years ago? You're still riding I, it. I tried to get Ethan to be Batman. He refused.
1: I, yeah, just I don't dress up. Every year I say I'm gonna dress up as Doctor Herbert West from Reanimator, but I never do. No idea what that is. It's a fucking fantastic movie. Um,
0: I'm also going to be at Retro World Expo November 6th and 7th in beautiful scenic Hartford, Connecticut. Hartford, the insurance capital of the world, I think. Or maybe it used to be. It used to be. Reanimators I
1: 1985. Like, that's like, I, if there was a horror movie I would have thought you would have seen, it would have been like. <laughs> it wasn't on
0: Shocktober. Oh, it's <laughs>
1: Return of the Living Dead?
0: I believe very 80s. I've seen comedy, the funny. Comedy one, yes, it's,
1: it's good. Yes, okay, reanimator has got a lot of comedy in it too.
0: Yes. So those seem like the types of movies that, you would have seen. That was not in the shock. I saw all the Freddy Krueger ones. I, I saw most of those. I thought they had the same thoughts. I I saw the first five, and I saw all the Friday Thirteens up to eight basically, because it's Shocktober. Yeah. Maybe not the first one. No, I well, 9 one? didn't come out until the, the awful, awful, worst movie oh, ever
1: Jason made. Jason Goes to Hell? Jason Goes to Hell was like 91 or 92, maybe even later than I that. think it was
0: 93. They, they skipped a few years yeah. in between 8 and that. And now it's supposed to set up Freddy versus Jason, which never happened. Well, it obviously. did happen. Well, I mean, never. It didn't, it didn't set up quite that way, yeah. Well, it came out ten years later. Nineteen
1: ninety-three was Jason Goes yeah, to Hell. Awful. The, it didn't awful. come out
0: till ten years later. The Fucking actual movie. Awful. Which movie. was like ten years too late because those were the two hottest properties in like the late eighties. Best thing in Jason Goes to Hell is that first kill with wow. the tentpole and in I never saw it it. South. I actually never saw it. It's a, that's the one it's I haven't seen. So bad. I've seen Jason X. Uh, I've seen Jason. Jason X. Ten is great. I love. I love X. Jason Ten. You've gotta, yeah. gotta be cool. It's, it's, it's X. It's not. It's not Roman numeral. Saying Ten isn't cool. Roman numerals there, Ian. That's what you're going for there. Um, speaking of something that'll People never don't die, call it Jason V-X- Vii. We, we have to start respecting Roman numerals again. Start respecting those. Uh, speaking of uh, something that never dies, Charles Martinet wants to voice Bowser uh, until he's dead. Not Bowser Mario. I put this wrong. He's not Bowser. Uh, this is from Eurogamer. Charles Martinet, who's who's voiced. Uh, Mario, since I think before '64, I think he voiced him on the, the computer game shit that I have around here. Like Mario teaches typing or whatever. That's when he started. Oh, really? I believe so. I did not know I that. I believe he started a, c- a couple years before. But uh, some, some Mario f- nut will correct me. Uh, I wanted to voice Mario until I dropped dead. I'm not going anywhere for a long time. That's my Mario. Oh, sorry, I didn't Ooh. I wasn't planning that. Man, Martinette, who was '66, <laughs> has been the voice of the mascot since '92. See, I told you it's computer stuff. All right, I know some of my history. Um after almost 30 years, he has portrayed the plumber around 100 games. I would have said like 50. 100. Wow. I guess like you can't look all the tennis games and the golf games and all adds up. Yeah, true. Mario parties. Controversially, Martinet will, will not play a Mario in Nintendo's upcoming Super Mario movie, which goes to Chris Pratt. And again, that's really a fucking weird decision, that whole thing.
1: A weird decision that we're not happy about. He
0: said this at Fan Expo Canada. Uh, I want to voice Mario until I drop dead. If someday I think I'm no longer capable of doing it, I will tell Nintendo to look into finding someone else. He also voices Luigi, uh, Wario, and Waluigi. All right, total package right there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a good job. You show up, you do some voices, you're used to it, and then you can go to conventions, and it's everyone saying, hey, can you do my voice message on my phone and get paid, you know, 10 grand for going to an event? That's fantastic. Yeah. What, I, what a life. I'd do that. I can't fantastic. imagine that being a particularly awful. Yeah. Awful gig, yeah. I have I have I, I did not meet Mr. Martinet, but uh, Kenny. I forget his last name. But he does the voice of Bowser. Very nice. I've seen him at multiple conventions. He was just at Retro Blues, actually. I believe he's from from Texas. Um, yeah. So maybe they could do a death match: Charles Martinet versus Chris Pratt for the rights <laughs> to the character. I don't know. Uh, he said, "I hope there will still be Mario after I am gone, anyways." There are over five million audio files of me voicing Mario. I go into the studio and record forty-five takes of every sound I can think of, so I'm not going anywhere for a long time. So, in theory, if he if he if, if he passes away someday, it, they'll have tons of samples forever. So it's, that's um, that's how I don't know if
1: it's still done that way, but at least for a little while after the original voice um, actor who did the Pikachu for the Pokemon cartoons okay. passed away. There was so many sound clips of this person doing Pikachu that I at least know, I think for the the season that followed, they didn't get like a replacement voice actor. I'm fairly certain they just used the same. Oh, yeah. All the symbols that were there. I don't know if they're still doing that. Um, But yeah, I mean, when these people are these characters forever, especially someone like Mario, who's not speaking in like full sentences or Pikachu, who's talking in syllables of its name.
0: You're going to acquire enough of that sound to keep that character alive. Uh, The the closest uh, analogy I can think of, apparently before Stan Lee passed away, they recorded Stan Lee like green screen in front of all these... Oh, like like all of his inner stitches. So like he'll show up in Marvel movies forever. (laughs) Which is kind of creepy. And I'm like, not sure if that's... I I mean, it's ethical if it's family and he agreed to do that, but it's kind of creepy. But anyway, supposedly they filmed dozens of different scenarios that they can green screen him into any fucking scene for like the future movies. You know, because... Um, wait a minute. No, was he uh, Shang Chi? Now I'm trying to remember. He showed up in Shang Chi. I don't know. Was Stanley? Because that was filmed after he died, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Was Stanley in Shang Chi? That's a good question. Um, he wanted Brandon Lee to to star as Shang Chi. Well, that would have been awesome, you know, 25 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago. God, he's been there for 30 years almost. Brandon Lee. Oh no, they they ended it. Oh, they did. Okay, it looks like, according to this article. So I guess they're not going that direction. Uh, so the last one, Marvel Studios officially ends Stanley cameos in MCU. Oh, a good run of twenty movies. Yeah, um, t- twenty-two he had. So End Endgame was uh, digitally de-agedly. Oh, they de-aged him. Um, As one of the previous one Captain Marvel was final appearances. Okay, there you go. He was ninety-eight when he died. My God, that's a run. Mm-hmm. Ninety-eight. Wow. All right. Well, then I guess they're not going to go that route or else whoever told me that information was lying <laughs> about propping old Stanley up. and well, I mean, stuff. they might
1: have and then just decided not to. Maybe poor taste Yeah, to do that. Poor
0: taste. mean, um, does Switch need a more powerful version? I don't know. No. Yes. What does yeah. my Nintendo News say about that? What does my Nintendo News say about that? Uh, Saber, Saber Interactive's Dmitry Grigorenko. That's a good name, Grigorenko who is the lead designer of the upcoming World War Z port for Nintendo Switch, has said in a recent interview that he doesn't believe, not doesn't believe, doesn't believe, copy editor, that a more powerful Switch system is needed at present. Saber Interactive is, is a development studio which has produced a number of high-profile Switch ports, as, such as Vampire and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition. Um, he says, The obvious answer would be overall better horror or with less build and patch size limitations, but I don't think the Switch needs a powerful version that badly. Saber and many other talented studios have already proven that there is no such thing as an impossible port. The tunnel consoles were never about hardware. They were always about something that boosts your gameplay experience. And I can't wait to see what they come up with next. That sounds like boilerplate. So, yeah. Each game we release on Switch pushes the hardware more
1: than before. So, yeah, it's, it's more boilerplate. But, I mean, I think there's probably something to be said to what he has to say. I, I I would love to see a more powerful version with less frame rate issues and stuff like that. I think everyone would. But I, I, I think... If I read a little bit between the lines, I think what he's saying is is we're getting to the point where hardware is where it's powerful enough where you can do a reasonable facsimile of just about any game that you want to. But you may have to cut it down in other
0: areas. Well, didn't we? uh, We postulate because because of that. What was that technology we thought thought would be in the OLED switch where it does like that the real time like upscaling into like 4K? That would have been right. And that wasn't in there. uh, Yeah, yeah, I I know. (laughs) It wasn't. Yeah. But we're almost to that point where you won't need blistering hardware to do these games that look great. That's what I'm trying to say. You get to, I
1: mean, obviously, and there will be lots of people disagree with me. Obviously, you know, you can do more with more power. But yeah, I think we're getting to the point where our kind of our baseline hardware is good enough to represent a game as its creators would intend. Yeah. I in mean, a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. I mean, we thought that the OLED could have had that upscaling in there because at that point, you all bets are off. You could have your, you know, okay. You could have your GTA, you know, five on that system in theory. Right. If you're using, like, software uh, upscaling to do it without, without killing, without your, you know, your switch blowing up in your hand. Yeah. From, from the heat, basically. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, if
2: you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step
1: behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.
0: You know where we could have needed a more powerful switch, To play those N64 games now available on Expansion Pack. Oh. For switch Online. Wow, um, it's gonna be a tricky segue between the official end of the. I, that was the segue, Ian. The segue. I, yeah. <laughs> so, player, this is, came out today. It's it's online. Uh, it's online or late last night. Um, the the expansion pack is online. Remember what that is? Fifty dollars a year to get your previous Switch online stuff. And then you get uh, not just the NES and SNES games. Now you get um, some Genesis titles and. N64 games there. And you also had the ability to buy Genesis and N64 Switch controllers, which is interesting uh, if, if you are a Switch Online member, which I have not ordered because I don't see the point right now doing it. So seems like it's very, very mixed, uh, the reaction to, to the emulation so far. And it does seem to be dependent somewhat on
1: the title, um, but... People are saying that, you know, basically Mario Kart 64 and Winback aren't using expansion pack settings when they obviously could and should be. You mean
0: the old school expansion yeah, the pack? the
1: actual, when they should be. Um, uh, they said um, there's lag. Zelda is the one that everyone keeps talking about that has uh, quite a bit of input lag. Um, which is, I don't, I don't know, bizarre. People are saying that the Wii U download version of Ocarina of Time Is you know better than the one that's currently offered on this expansion pack, that, and, um, but apparently the Genesis emulation seems to be fine. So it really comes down to the emulators that they're using. People have looked at the M2, uh, maybe, maybe because M2 would have handled the emulation for the, uh, the Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Packages because this is these are different games, but there were already emulation packs released for Sega Genesis on this system. And the emulation was largely done by M2, I believe. So, M2's have, emulation have... is really good. So, maybe they're using M2's emulation and emulators. That would that make sense. Um, why that wouldn't be as big of a deal. The N64 emulation is uh being done, however, they said they discovered it's the can't remember the name, but it's the same emulator that was used for um, Super Mario 64 on the 3D All Stars. Mm-hmm. um game and i guess it worked okay for that but they're they you know they tried to spread out its usage to these other n64 games and it's not really um yeah
0: doing the job i saw um i saw obviously people were doing button tests on ocarina and it was bad it was like at least a quarter second delay of the jump from from what just my eyes seeing it sure and you know we're experts at looking at button lag because of other of another console coming out so um I'll be, some people were like trying to be apologists and say oh what, what's what's the matter he's jumping it's like you cannot have that much lag when you're playing an action oriented game you can't have like a quarter second or half second between a jump are you crazy are you out of your mind and then people were comparing it um, uh, with you know other versions of the game and it's like you can clearly see that you know instant or not like i said it, it's it, what's weird is that it being it's weird to be game to game if they're using whatever the whatever the i think someone said it's the same emulator that they were using for the uh the Mario All-Stars pack. That's what do. I just said. Oh, yeah, okay. So if that's the case, why would, why would it be that much worse on certain games?
1: Um, I mean, if it's just an in-house emulator, maybe they just had it optimized for Mario 64. Like, you've used N64 emulation before, and you know it can be wildly different from game to game, and it can be... Sure. And you can change settings from game to game.
0: Sure, but the first part, you think they'd have... You know, buttoned up, especially since they've been doing oh. this back to back to the virtual console on the Wii. They've I've, been doing this. I've and, seen and from this... what heard, for what, it, for, for what people are saying. This is worse than the right. virtual console. Yeah, who knows? It could just be ago.
1: something new that they're started. You know, like you said. it it's probably because they're using a more recent emulator. They're not, it doesn't sound like they're using the same emulator
0: that they've put work into over the years. It sounded like they started from scratch, and I don't know why they would do that. The worst thing I saw, and this is what I'll go into about when people used to get on me for saying N64 emulation is fine when it's not. And this is case number one why it's not if Nintendo can't get it freaking right. Um, I saw the Mario Kart online multiplayer. I don't know if you saw that on, on Twitter, four player, and it was unplayable. When I saw it, it was like, you know you're getting like 6 frames a second, 8 frames a second. Like it was bad. And when you see that that's like wow, they they literally are probably just they have not made any leaps and bounds in N64 emulation. I thought maybe Nintendo would have. They have potentially the tools to do that. They they have the code of their own uh, console. You're like and they haven't. It's almost shocking but not shocking based on how complex the architecture is on the N64. And and how like it may never Get, uh, per perfected. Well, the other know, thing or, is, or will take a long time too.
1: There are uh,
0: N64 emulators that are much closer,
1: and like Frank's Safaldi actually said an hour ago, and it's a common, uh, it's a common sentiment whenever emulation comes up like this on like a commercially released product. I, I mean, one of the times is, or one of the reasons is, quite frankly, the corporations don't have the time or the knowledge to put into it that hobbyists and amateur people do. Sure, and for and and because emulation is looked at as such a dirty thing by these big businesses, they almost never are willing to reach out and bridge the gap and use these emulators that have been around for years that can actually do what they're trying to do. So they go with an in-house option that's never going to be as good.
2: Sure, but going
0: back to the point about the the n 4 emulation, it's not accurate to the look. Still, that's why going through this, um, if you if you can get awesome emulation that's like sixty frames. But it won't look like how it looked originally. You need a beefy GPU setup, and you need a great computer to do that. And that's what I've, I've, we, the team's been suffering through, um, trying to do this. And there's you still need workarounds dependent upon the game. Like it's it's not a one size fits all batch thing. But um, this is this this is embarrassing. I I would think if you were Nintendo, you should be embarrassed by this. You should oh yeah, not, no, it's you, gross. You should not have put this out and charged thirty dollars more per year if these games were not like i don't say they got to be perfect you can't have this i'm looking at this online multiplayer that looks unplayable and you can't have a, you know a quarter to half a second of input lag on a jump on any of your games
1: that's what i talked about when we talked yeah.
0: about this uh last week or the week
1: before when they when they officially announced it nintendo doesn't have the goodwill in this area to be charging 50 bucks for that pass in the past they i mean we said that the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, the online play was bad. I mentioned that. I didn't think that this was magically going to be fixed. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, looked at it and said, well, if Nintendo's charging this much yeah. for it, then it's it's going to be good. And it's like, no, they've given you no reason to think that. And that's my whole problem with this expansion patch pass. It's not even so much the money, because as we talked about, Sony and... Microsoft offered the same, it's roughly the same price. It's what you get with the Nintendo pass, yeah, and it's not up to snuff. It, 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 it you cannot be charging this much for stuff that does not play properly,
0: yeah. And, and, and then that they had online issues with the NES and Super Nintendo games, which that emulation should be just about perfect at this point. <clears> the <throat> N64 is not perfect emulation, and you still have potential online, online problems issues on top. Um. I, I, I saw some, some people try to be an apologist and, oh, wow, we're, we're criticizing Nintendo? Yes, we let we do that. And I, I don't know how... Like, the, the speedrunner... Okay, I have a screenwriter article I just linked here. Uh, a speedrunner... What's their name here? 2Fool uh, pointed out that the input lag for 64 was hot garbage despite its faithful visuals. Uh, Faulted a complaint with a video demonstrating Ocarina of Time's own input lag showing their Nintendo Switch Pro Controller and TV screen in real time for reference. so it's not good for Mario either. Uh, The speedrunner ZFG echoed this evidence, concluding that uh, Ocarina of Time on Switch is so bad it might actually be worse than Wii U Virtual Consoles version, a remark which carries considerable weight given their renown in this game speedrunner community. However, Fool clarified in a later tweet that Switch NC4 game input lag varies by title as Mario Tennis allegedly has considerably less lag. That's what makes it so weird, the game-to-game thing. On the input lag, I can picture it being more stuttery in some games or obviously a Mario 64 uh, for uh, Mario Kart 64 for the multiplayer. But like, I don't it's I it's even when you're when you're playing on an emulator computer, the input, there's no different input lag on an emulator that, that I've, I've that I've seen. There's no different input lag. So it, it's that's that's just so weird to me that they didn't button that up. And They're saying it's wor- worse than, you know, the seven year old Wii U virtual console. That's seven years old. Yeah, seven years old. And I looked at some some videos, and yeah, you see people tapping the button, and okay, yeah, the video for the Mario Kart sixty
1: four multiplayer is it's, absolutely abysmal. It's unplayable, and that that is that is to be, that's basically the experience I was expecting. That was my experience playing NES and Super Nintendo games. I'm I'm looking with at someone it, just lo-
0: constant choppy. I'm looking at a uh, animation. I'm looking at two Full. He's saying the, this input lag is hot garbage uh, for Mario 64. It might not look horrible, but it feels awful. On that on that video, it doesn't look considerably bad, but this is a speedrunner. They know when it's off. Sure. But the, but the the ocarina lag is like you can not just see that with your naked eye. You can you can feel how bad that would be to play that if it's like gets up to like a quarter second. Oh um, wow.
1: Yeah, his thumb is fully up before Link does the backflip. Yes,
0: that's unplayable. And some people were trying to say, oh, it's fine, he's jumping. It's like, no, you can't, you can't. It's okay to criticize people and things and stuff you like. It's how it gets better. It's the only way to make it better. No need to defend Nintendo on this. You can criticize it. Yeah. I don't know how this happens. I don't don't know how Nintendo could think this would go over well. I just don't. Because people don't. People generally don't trash Nintendo enough. When it comes oh to no, stuff no. The like Nintendo this. gets trashed a lot. You don't think that's what? That's it? I don't think they just care. I or mean, maybe, or maybe they think maybe they think the casuals wouldn't care as long as they can play Ocarina and Mario Kart. It's like, oh, who cares? But it's like, no, you expect that. That's the thing about Nintendo. We talk about Nintendo's first party games. Um, that you may not like the games themselves, but technically, you know, they're they're good to go, right? Yeah, you don't have a horrible experience. There's not uh major game breaking bugs or something that ruins your experience just trying to get through the game this ruins your experience right this is nintendo uh doing something super uncharacteristic if you're telling me these games aren't uh as nice as they were 15 years ago on the wii wii u
1: they were talking about that oh, was, was the it? one they were, they were okay. comparing it to the wii u one, it was wii u still... one? Mm-hmm.
0: okay seven years ago versus 15. I guess I'd love to see when someone go back and compare it to the Wii ones then and see, and see if they were... Yeah, right. You know, like, why not? They had Genesis games on there and oh, they the had n ones. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's... This wouldn't be acceptable if this was 20 bucks a month still. It wouldn't be acceptable for Nintendo to put this out, in my opinion. You know, you don't put out on, an unfinished product like this. Uh, let's see. There's Frank's uh, response, which you, which you went over. Um, people are memeing it, of course. And now the article's coming out saying people uh, aren't happy with it. Like I said before, I wasn't interested in this, even if these were functional at fifty dollars. I just didn't see the need right now.
1: No, but absolutely not no, oh, no. non functional. Eat oh, my
0: no. no, eat your what eat. I don't know. I stopped myself. Eat my. Um, this one person uh at SW Shrib says don't buy it. Input lag, online frame drops and stutters, inconsistent fog effect in game for immersion uh confusing button mapping yes you can't remap the buttons and it seemed like they said and uh, i don't know which
1: game it was but something had the buttons as x and y instead of a and b or something like that so the
0: orientation was different versus the n64 yeah controller. um no controller pack features what what that's not built into the emulator no controller pack. what i you mean you can't fucking save it save your game and load up games is that for real I think I they couldn't... mean
1: no expansion pack. Features, oh, no
0: expansion pack. That's what I had read. Okay, that's in, that's insane as well. That's built built into emulators. Yeah, you don't you click a button. You, it's it's the what is it the eight meg versus four meg or whatever it is, extra four, me, uh, four it's meg. That's an meg. extra four meg. Yeah, that's all it is. That's all the option is, and then it unlocks it. No CRT effect to hide the unpolished textures. Wow. Okay. Like They didn't put on a filter to make it look like the original or have the option to. So so it doesn't even look like the original N64 games on top. So at that point, you might have upscaled it then, at that point. If if you're not getting the traditional look, yeah, that's, this is bad. I'm trying to remember a time when Nintendo screwed up something this royally bad on on something that should have been like a slam dunk or something that should have been like, you know, like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Everyone should love this.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't know. Yeah, like we just said this is this is particularly bad because people were upset going in.
0: Yes. I don't do you think Nintendo will will see their error and be no. like, "All right, we're going to give you something." They did it on the 3DS when they when they lowered the price and gave away free games because that was a disaster. That was a big disaster when they that was out, when that was 250 when it came out. The yeah. 3DS. Well, that I mean, that was a great turnaround. I I don't know that
1: they'll do that with this. And that's why I said, I have no interest in this expansion pack until a year has passed, and I see what they do with it, because I figured it's just going to be more of the same shit. Uh, Do
0: you think there's... I mean, do they have an incentive to try to fix the emulation? I mean, do they? I mean, this is a problem now. They're going to... If they they announce more games for this on the N64 side, and they still have these problems, they're going to face a wave of criticism each and every month, or every two months when they announce new games. Yes. If they come out with, like, Banjo on here or they're not, they're not going to be able to get Goldeneye unfortunately cuz all the rights issues. But if they did that and it was unplayable, if if save Goldeneye did come out and everyone would get it for the multiplayer and it was unplayable, well, like why even have it then? This is the problem that like as we said this has always been an
1: issue with their online service, but um well yes, there are definitely 8 and 16-bit games that we all remember playing together and we enjoy in multiplayer. N64 is a multiplayer system. Yeah. It's a These party games are absolutely going to be tested online with other people um, more so than NES and Super Nintendo NES and Super Nintendo don't have great outline fine you're still playing Donkey Kong Country and Zelda and Zelda 2 and Super Metroid and all that stuff by yourself <laughs> but with the N64 with the exception of stuff like Mario and Zelda you know everything else Mario is a, Party is a Mario is a Smash Brothers Smash Brothers uh, all the all the first person shooters all the ra-
0: all the racing games racing yep want play cruising I love to play cruising USA you know multiplayer why not just for the fun of it, now you tell me it'll it'll be like four frames a second, yeah. You know, against someone. So it's it's um it's disappointing. Um, hopefully they can turn this around and fix this emulation. But as as Frank alluded to, you have people that have been worked on these emulators for decades, and Nintendo's probably like it's an afterthought to us, right? It is what it is. So, but this is this is bad, and unfortunately, I don't know if this is an Nintendo Japan thing where you know. If they've got to communicate, maybe Nintendo of America's be like, hey, we need to fix this in Japan. we will be like, eh, well, who cares? We're going to get all that Animal Crossing DLC money. Right. You know, like, like whew, It's bad. Uh, Ian. Yeah, Pat. Um, we're excited about the upcoming Intellivision Amico. Oh. We're especially ex- excited because for the first time we can buy uh, not physical games, but physical products that might eventually turn into a game. Physical products. That could turn into a game.
1: Love a physical product. I love to um, just buy physical products to
0: have physical products.
1: Hey, physical stuff.
0: So th- these are now ending up in people's hands. at pre order them in packs of four or eight because you can't buy one at a time. Uh, Tommy Tarrico CEO, a lovely individual, um, did an unboxing video. CEO. Did an unboxing video, which was funny because like you know, you're the CEO, and he's just tossing the games around like they're garbage uh, into the box and then pointed out, <laughs> not, not, I'm not going to belabor every single, I'd be shocked that there wasn't an error or, <laughs> or issue with these games. He showed that on the biplanes game. It wasn't bolded and said that it was a uh, variant. It's a uh, variant. A limited he, variant. He admits that he admits that it got through like six or seven people's, you know, uh, I guess, you know, you're looking over, you're going to troubleshoot anything, you're, you're going to do some copy editing, and <laughs> it got past everyone. <laughs> that that's that's not a problem, but it's a symptom of the larger disease that is inside in television entertainment. Yes, everything that, is half-assed. Everything is half-assed. Uh, there's errors everywhere, and this is just part of it. So I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm gonna I want to go to uh, someone who was actually excited. Uh, do You see this YouTube video? This is from user. Let's see what user this is. From user Genovi, uh, J E N O V I. Not worth the 165 seventy four cents. Intellivision Amico physical box impressions. Video will be delist, delisted soon. I'm not sure why they delisted them. Uh, got like 3,000 views almost.
1: So he said he was going to delist it because it's not really, he, his, his channel is mostly fairly positive and he didn't want to leave something super negative up. But I think he realized that it might be important to leave up because it's still up and people asked him if he could it's leave a, it up.
0: It's a PSA because this is a person yeah. who was excited for the Intellivision Amico, ordered these physical products received them, and realized the quality was not worth all the money spent on them. So um, some of the complaints were, obviously, they're small. They're like vita size these these boxes. But they're digipacks, which are like the DVDs I've done, which means you can't close them. I think digipacks, honestly,
1: depending on what you're selling in them, can look kind of nice. But you can get magnets in there. They make magnet-sealed digipacks. They make digipacks that can close.
0: Well, that's great, but television. Why didn't you wouldn't? Yeah, why you wouldn't? I don't know. I maybe when I did my DVDs uh, eight years ago, I don't know if that was a thing or not, but I guess time marched on. But um, the point is, is that these are not traditional, even like a Genesis game, a, a shell that closes an N sixty four box an NES box. You can't keep these closed. An Evercade box. Uh, an Evercade. <laughs> we'll go back to we'll go back to Evercade. This snaps closed, really nice. This is twenty dollars. Twenty dollars for an actual. Actual, An actual physical game like, and a manual.
1: I, I like I like my Evercade. I don't use it a ton. I use it before I go to bed. I'm not trying to like sell Evercade here. But if you want to see what you can get for $20, you can get a $20 plastic case that closes that comes with actual physical media and a full-color manual, as we've stated before. Yes. There's no reason this fucking tchotchke coin and RFID card should be costing you $20. Uh, and
0: a lenticular card. A uh,
1: lenticular uh, card, yes.
0: This is... Again, $20, this costs way more to produce than this shit you see here, that some people are postulating a dollar to produce. Because the coins cost like 10 cents in bulk. The RFID cards cost fucking 10 cents, 20 cents. He's hosing you because you're gullible and yes. they need money. Yes, which, which, which we were correct on that they were going to sell these before the console comes out,
1: which, again, is another first. And speaking of shadiness, this person doesn't mention it, I don't believe, in their video but they mention it in the comments section. The thing that they're most disappointed about is this person pre-ordered the Amico. They, they said uh, Genovi or whatever. They said that they were um, uh, looking forward to the Amico. They pre-ordered the Amico. However... They were not the type of person who was following every bit of news on the Amico. They really sure. had no idea what was going on. It was something they put the money into. they knew that it had been delayed, but they weren't following everything and they said they felt particularly burned because the um, the how they found out about the physical games being available for the physical products being available for order was from an actual and uh, television amico email that they got. And he states that they don't actually do a very good job of explaining that it's not a physical game in there. He says he felt like he was duped. Wow. He said he felt like he was duped because they don't really go over the fact that it's an RFID card or anything in the actual email from in television. You're left to kind of figure that out on it on, on its own. So
0: he said so he got, was So if you got that email randomly, he hadn't been paying attention. Oh I'm gonna buy these that's games. That's basically what he had done. Wow. He was like, Okay,
1: you know, the system's not out yet, but I'll buy the games. I'm looking forward to it, bought the games, got them, and was You know, he says he was actually fairly surprised to open it and find that it was just a digital
0: card. We take for granted that it's our job to keep up with this mess. Right. There are
1: people who are into this who probably don't pay attention to it as much as we do. And honestly, that's fine. I understand. There are things that I look forward to
0: that I I actually look forward to that I don't pay as much attention to as this. Sure. Um, Some comments that he was replying to from people in the comments here... Um, I said, I'm, Jenobi uh, said, I'm still interested in the system, but there's a ton of red flags and issues I didn't even mention in this video. Yes. I'll keep, this my, is, I think is the word I'm talking about. I'll keep my pre order, but that's it for physical products. This certainly has dropped expectations for me. So, Jenobi probably didn't keep up with as much. And now it's like you get dropped back into it. You did your pre order at this point over a year and a half ago. And now it's what's going on. Um, I'm not, I'm not. I try not covering things I'm disappointed with, but I'm really disappointed here. Also, as the guy who covers really odd and obscure items that shouldn't have been made, how could I not own this? Someone asked him why he, you know, pre-ordered it. Uh, there's a couple more. I'll say, um, box quality is something is like something you would get with a Chinese knockoff being sold for 5% the cost and quality. So I'm guessing it's probably really thin card stock too. Yeah. I think, I think he mentioned that and people were reporting that it's thin. Yeah. It's thin. Um, this is a, actually a funny comment from Mike Crow. Well, in their defense, they probably never thought anyone would actually open one up and play it. Um, well, you can't play it right now. We'll get into in a second what's actually on the RFID card. Um, and Then finally, Genovese said, "All the last thing I'll say that he said, all I can do is not purchase any additional ones going forward. The value, in quotes, is 100% absent here, and anyone who tells you different is blowing smoke. So this is why I like this person. This was a fan. This isn't like someone who gets Tommy you know, on their channel every other week or, or, or interview Tommy 20 times, doesn't fly out to a fucking event across the country to hang out with all. This is someone that was interested initially, hadn't kept up with it, had preordered it, and now has been dropped back in uh, totally like, what is going on? This
1: is a representation of the true market.
0: Yes. This, and this is, but this is the market of someone who was interested in it right. originally. This is your best case scenario, by and large, with the public. Uh, that priority of this, something that was, was you, you kept the information away or the person didn't seek it out. All right. Spend $160. What, once you factor in tax and shipping, 165, 74, and now we're going to give you something and you're going to be super disappointed, but guess what? We got your money. Ha ha ha. Who knows if these will ever be, tr- uh, ever become the download for a game in the future. It doesn't matter. This is
1: the response that I wanted to find. This was uh, this was actually in response to retro advisory board. Uh, and he says yeah I have some major issues with how these were marketed in the email I received poor quality lousy design no physical game though that wasn't disclosed and in no way something worthy of or something worthy of collecting it's beyond disappointing a $10 package that contains a hotel door entry card with a download code for a $10 game is insane there's a ton they could have done differently to make these feel special but these don't feel special and I certainly won't be in the minority here that's Genovi but the main thing I want to point out is and I know he goes into more detail later but he does mention a couple of times how deceived he felt by the uh ad from Intellivision. And I feel like that's how it's gonna be for a lot of people. All the people who are in the you know the the yes club with Tommy, um they're not gonna feel disappointed they're gonna hand wave this stuff. But when it actually gets out to the, the, the public, the the people who might actually truly be interested in it, like you said, but don't have the insider's info.
0: The insider info, yes.
1: Yeah. I mean they're going out of their way to make the that to obfuscate that this is not actually a physical game.
0: Yeah. So this leads us into, all right, Genovi, you just spent $165.74 on RFID cards and cheap coins. What's actually on, Ian, the RFID cards? Well, we have some, some intrepid folks out there who got their RFID scanners out and uh, are telling us uh, what's on there. Did you see on the uh, on the Reddit there? Yeah, they link to
1: pretty uh pretty basic web websites. They go to intelligence dot com slash the name of
0: the game, Television dot com slash rfid slash for example biplanes uh, question mark i equals. So this is from user Powerclaw that's reporting this. These, from what people are saying, are unencrypted un- l- website links. Yep, that are on each of these cards. And the identifier, the I equals is, is the basically the game code that's the same code that's printed on the back of each card, right? That's what this is. They are currently just pointing to a website that I guess in the uh, website URL, in the future that will be the download code that will download to your console. That's literally what I have when I sell my book digitally, uh, drop cards. There's a code, you go to the website, you put your code in and you download it. That's what this is. For a game note to be unencrypted like this, and just to go to the website, that's insane to me. That and, and they even said, um, yeah, I don't know enough about it to speak authoritatively on any of it, but it
1: doesn't sound good, and it sounds like it would probably be easy to um, mess with. Um, Power
0: Claw, I'm gonna trust that they know more about this than me. They said doesn't seem very doesn't seem very complex. I expected the data would be encrypted and obfuscated. Ab. Ob- ob- confiscated, and tied directly to the Amico hardware for decryption, then passed securely via a non-public service to activate and download. Instead, it seems anyone can scan the card using even just a mobile app and load up what will eventually be the activation URL. This will be fed to the Amico as a page request, and the server will initiate the download from that. Now consider that people can do this just by bringing the sealed boxes within range of their phones to capture the key data, and Tom's insistence that they are withholding a bunch of boxes to put them in retail stores, to defend the nearly sold out claim. This means anyone can skim the identifying details just by passing by at a store. I can imagine the user can then transmit the, the, this URL via NFC, as modern phones allow, to the Amico and, and emulate the cards in this way. So what he's saying is this. Uh, you'd hope that these IDs for all these uh, eight games are not sequential. If they're sequential, then all bets are off. You can have people basically just uh, create their own clone Amico cards and just create right. them. But even not, what, the, what he's saying is what people can do without a script even is just go into the store find every single one and basically steal all the codes off the games and then reuse them themselves or create their own cards if they wanted to and I'll put them on eBay because the same way people made their own uh, you know amiibo cards you know to basically use instead of having the, the statues people have done that you know This goes against everything, that you know, the CEO has said about well, the retailers love our product. They're going to love the games. You think a retailer like Best Buy is going to want this shit on Something their store? Something so insecure. Something yeah. so insecure that some <clears throat> some people will be literally, you'll be able to buy it, take you can buy it, take it home, keep it in the shrink wrap, scan it, and bring it back, get your money back, and you still have the game. Or even worse, you'll have people show up, try to get it on their console, tap it, and maybe it's someone's already uh, used it. And then Tommy said, "Well, if that happens, you can put it in the code." Uh, By yourself uh, in order to unlock it, then it transfers. You're going to have all these uh, ownership of these games ping ponging back and forth between different people. On top of that, it's supposed to be NFT as well. So you got to burn the fucking energy to transfer the ownership each time. This sounds insane. This is insane. Versus just having a regular digital store? I still don't think NFT is actually going to play any part in this. You think that's just a big lie? I, Supposedly, I saw they got grant money to, to, because yeah, they're using but NFT. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Half I of mean, this, we'll see, I guess. This co- console and the games partially exists because of grant money, by the <clears> way, <throat> way, of taxpayer um, funds. Uh, in Tommy's interview, this is this is Power Claw continuing. In Tommy's interview with the Best Buy guy, he was asked specifically about people who may sneak in with their Amico, or apparently just her phone, and capture the data to mimic the RFID and activate a game. He seemed a little off guard by the idea, then quickly said there are things in place to mitigate that without explaining. There's I will I will bet money there's nothing in place to mitigate that no, from happening. There's nothing in place for that. They either didn't think about it or didn't fucking care about that.
1: Yeah, there's absolutely nothing in place to mitigate that.
0: Uh Paraclaw says I got the impression he was just saying something to make it seem more secure than it really is. And really don't know that anyone on a television even realized the cars could be scanned while in the box until after they've been manufactured. or oh, they didn't care. The lack of any apparent complexities with their chip data to me suggests that they had to go this route specifically because the back-end infrastructure is not nearly capable enough to handle anything advanced. There is no back-end infrastructure probably to handle this. Uh, this was their approach to getting physical media created with a simple embedded URL that they could then deal with at any time before launch by simply creating the website scripts to parse the ID and handle the activation. Minimal involvement of the Amico hardware itself. Paracloss says all of this is speculation, of course. I'll trust their judgment. I'll trust the judgment of them and other people above our pay grade that have looked into this. I will at this point. Sure. Uh, edit. And really this same pattern and approach seems to be what Tommy was using in 2019 with the purported giveaways via RFID slash NFC lenticular card scanning. I have not a clue if that competition ever really happened, let alone if any winners were announced. But he was planning to check entrance in the same way. Okay. I, I don't really know what he's talking about. I Vague thoughts about they had a contest way back when. So here's the point. All these people that are buying these, these, uh, cards, um, you probably will be okay with other people not spoofing the URL and getting your game, but what's what's not to create some in- intrepid hacker to try to I don't know go into th- these are on Intellivision's website. This isn't encrypted, and fi- basically find the database of every single one of these codes, right? Like I mean, like right now, doing sure. it if they're if they're on the website if they point to the website right now. What's what's not uh, to have someone maybe. Uh, once the system, well, they would is, have to have that done, and I
1: highly doubt they do.
0: But what's, what, but if this gets up and running, what's going to prevent someone? I'm not saying you should go out and do this to do like some brute force stuff to try to get all the codes and basically use them to make them invalid, right? That, you, you get all the list of all the codes that exist um, because you get a list of codes when you do this stuff. Again, my own experience is my the digital stuff from my books. They they print you out a bunch of codes. That are you know they're they're one person per code. Um, if they're not encrypted though, what if someone just sets up an Amico or, or and just says, "All right, I'm going to download all of those." You better have it set on, in your systems, Amico, and television. Be like, you have one download per person per console, because what someone some intrepid person could probably waste all those codes if they decided to. Yeah. Especially the codes tied to those cards. There's well, so much mm-hmm. wrong with this that it's insane to me. Now it's and, even worse and worse than even a couple of weeks ago. I called it uh, months back. Um, I honestly think if this does make it to
1: market, there's definitely going to be issues of people trying to validate those games, and it's not going to work. That's so what you think? I it think just won't be set up for it, or it'll they'll be used or not? It's going to be fucking wrong. But, somebody... uh,
0: uh, not to not to belabor the point about Best Buy or Target or uh, GameStop. You think they want to deal with this bullshit? With this, with, with, with this security? No. Stuff happening? They want to deal with customers coming back pissed with their $20 games? Be like, hey, this doesn't work, or or lying and saying it worked, but they already... You know, got their game on the console. This is nuts. Um, it's nuts. Remember, Ian, though, um, these these aren't games that people have bought. No. They are physical, physical pro- items. Physical items. And why is that another point to bring up, Ian? You know where I'm going with this?
1: Uh, Yeah, I remember. It uh, has to do oh. with the profit sharing. Okay, because they... Cl- yeah, get into this. This is a good <laughs> stuff. By the way, I just want to point out that the Intellivision Amico Reactions uh, Thanksgiving point video is sitting at 3.7K views. Uh, that is what I would say... Uh, I would call landing with a wet thud.
0: Yeah. Um, so, republic.co, which is, you know, they, they that's the uh, investment site that deals with games and consoles. So, if they have the SEC filings for people that... Can't afford shirts, but can afford to below ten thousand dollars on Intellivision. Um, what they have there are the SEC government filings that tell you exactly what goes into your investment. If I, you put in, if you put in your thousand dollars, how do you get back that investment? Right. Here's the roadmap for what happens. Here's a roadmap. Thousand. So it was revealed that they didn't get the eleven million promise, but it looks like through the through the filings, they got about Intellivision received about a, a seven point five million dollars. Uh, I feel bad for anyone that gave. One cent to that, uh, but it's gone. That's all I'm gonna say. It's gone. But in theory, you could make up to a 10x return on the investment, which again, you're not technically investing into television entertainment, you're investing into profit, you're getting a profit share. If if in television was sold to another company, doesn't matter. You didn't invest in the company. This wasn't like a stock. You got property.
1: actual investment.
0: It's the worst type of investment. It's also capped with, with a with a time limit, which I'll get into real quick. Uh, but it's also worse because it's capped. So you take all the risk and you get up to a 10x return, which means only nine x once you get back to your original investment, you can get up to nine x, you know, of, of, of times your original investment here. Okay, so follow along, kids, boys and girls. Um, so when you look at uh, the SEC uh, filing here. I put the link down if you're Ian. Uh, the 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 big thing to to look at here is is the there's different uh, tiers here. There's different tiers about how you get back your investment. And the first tier is basically until Intellivision makes three times the initial investment, which would be around we'll just say twenty two million dollars, twenty two right. and a half with Pat math. Uh, they would make that back, so um, that's great. That's great if you ever make that <laughs> money back, because um, right. that, that you get a certain percentage for each tier, which I have to find right now on here. Uh, there's three tiers. So, what's important to realize is that there's different offerings and percentages based upon the, on the tiers. There's uh, direct console revenue, indirect. Console revenue, and there are purchasable games. games. It says games, games specifically. Yes. So direct console sales, uh, right here, is defined by Intellivision sells it directly. Right, I guess through their website, it's direct sales. That you, you you go to Intellivision you buy a console, they ship it to you, right? So in the first tier, up to I guess the twenty two and a half million they make, uh, the fig investors. This is a lot of numbers stuff, but I'm going somewhere with this. It would be calculated as 15% of direct system revenue. They would only get 5% of indirect system revenue, which would be wholesaling. Um, that would be things like they define like uh, let's see, that's like Best Buy, if, if that'd be Coke Media, online, Amazon, if not shipped directly from television, shipped somewhere else than shipped. And then the rest is 25% revenue of all revenue derived from purchasable games. That is up to $22.5 million. After that would be hit, you got 12 months, and then everything drops. 0% indirect system revenue goes to the investors, only 10% of direct system revenue, investors, and 20% of all revenue from purchasable games. After that 12-month period, you have one more year to recoup your investment or make money. 0% of indirect system revenue, 5% of direct system revenue, and 15% of all revenue derived from purchasable games. So even on its surface, it's awful to have a cap on your investment. But you have a cap on here. It's basically two years after they hit $22.5 million, according to this, if I'm following Correct. this right. Which they ain't never going to hit $22.5 million. Well, I mean, they're not. But even so, the payouts are so low on this, which I won't get into now because that's a lot more calculation that you're not going to recoup your investment at $22.5 million e- anyway. Yeah, the break-even
1: uh, point is, what, $54 million,
0: Something 57? around $50, 50 million for every 1000 invested. That's what I believe uh, people calculated out. I think that's a little a little, uh, little lenient, but yeah, I, yeah. Something like that. We'll just say that. That's, that's in theory, what it is. Based, and that's based upon, uh, you go on FIG's website, you can see that. You can see their own little graph on there, what they calculate out. Right. There are different scenarios on this. But this is what's, what's interesting about this. Going back to games. Going back to the games. So right now, if you invested in FIG, in theory, you would get 25% of all revenue would go towards the investment pool. You get 25% of the percentage of the sale from purchasable games. Well, let's remember that the games themselves
1: are not actually listed as games. They are listed as purchase or physical... physical- Products. Physical products, not games. They are a promise of a game when the game is finished or releases. So what's this mean? People who have invested in Amico, and if you go to places like um, Fig and you look, there are people who are asking, you know, are, uh, are, is there going to be any action on shares this year, this, that, and the next thing? Um, those games that are being sold aren't going to have any impact on as far as we know, if you look at the if you look at how the legalese is, uh, those games are not going to have any impact on investor shares.
0: Well I think it's strange that the last Republic update to investors was on September 30th announcing uh, the new video, I guess which would have been from the Boomers event and that they're going to be in Salt Lake City. There's been nothing on this investment site telling the investors about the, the shipping or the success or the sales so far of the physical Products. Probably because they'd expect to get some money from that. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but this all tells a very strange story here. A very strange uh, story. Yep. If you invested in this on Republic, you should start asking questions. If you're aware of these physical products, you should ask directly, hey, are we getting a perc- percentage of this revenue on all these that have, have sold so far? And people estimate they've, they've sold uh, like 10,000 individual games, something like that. That, that's what I saw an estimate of. They, right. sold, they sold through like a fifth of them in the first few days, and then it, then it just died out. Um, this, is, this, is, uh, this is weird stuff. And this is why when you invest in anything, you have to read the prospectus and what's actually involved. Because otherwise, you, you'll have people on, on YouTube hawking and shilling and uh, potentially physical products that they were getting none of the investment revenue from from that. Is that funny? physical products
1: that are apparently marketed to consumers in shady and non-specific ways in terms of like what they actually are going back to what Genovi said too,
0: the whole thing just reeks of fucking, it gets worse and worse. And I didn't want to bring up the investment stuff before, cause you have to go through the numbers, but I wanted to wait until I saw something that like in black and white, just showed you why, why this is a bad investment. Right. And this is number one in theory in television doesn't have to pay a cent of anything to the to the republic investors from these physical products based because, upon because they're not purchasable games they're not purchasable games they're, they're not, purchasable games. not
1: selling you games it says it right on the box they're not selling you a game
0: sorry investors sorry you put in ten thousand dollars some people put in twenty five thousand dollars you can see all the different some people put in five some people put in five. sorry you get nothing you lose good day sir <laughs> and tommy loves a uh, willy wonka we know that does he oh yeah I like Willy Wonka, but I'm just saying. Isn't isn't that special?
1: It is It's very special.
0: They went out of their way to say you were buying physical products. The last few months, they they changed they changed, changed the, their tune. They changed the narrative. Well, plus because they weren't games, then no, they weren't. But, they realized
1: that they couldn't back it
0: up. But anymore. I but I thought well that's probably just a legal thing because you know it's false mm-hmm. advertising. Oh no no no, it, it's it's investment details too. They can't call them games because if they call them games they might have to give some of that investment money back to the actual investors who trusted uh in television with their hard-earned money that are now uh at they're 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 done at least when it comes to, to these physical products they're done they gotta wait for system sales in order to try to recoup some of the cost man oh man yeah is there anything else to, on this ian i mean it's um it, it's it's turned the corner now where I now have to look at the fucking investment SEC files to look at see like, wow there's some there's um some reason behind some of this madness that's going on. Yeah. No, it's it's not good. It's bad. Uh Ian, we got uh, we got a Patreon,
1: don't we? Patreon dot com slash C U podcast. You go. You kindly give us some money. And we have a <laughs> full video podcast that you get you get uh, to vote and poll topics. We do Hangouts. We do a writing. I do
0: writing. And now we have exclusive we have podcasts. Bonus,
1: bonus podcasts. Bonus
0: snippets between you know 15 and 30 minutes. You get to hear us yammer on about other stuff. Oh, Snackings. Yeah. Bonus Some, snacks. The cracklings, A Twisted Root. Um, and, and this is uh, this is our, our poll this week. In second place, what video game character do you look, look up to admire? 27%. Uh, and in first place, 73% on the, on the tail end of our last topic. Why is it important to call out nostalgia-bait game projects, Ian? Well, I, I think the the
1: main reason to call them out is because they um, <clears throat> they rarely seem to be successful. Uh, almost all of them seem to to fall apart. And they <clears throat> oftentimes seem to come from people who have spent a lot of time on message boards or were once popular in the video game industry or community. And I think they often way, way underestimate how much work and effort is required to go into these things. Um, we saw it with the, uh, the RVGS slash chameleon um, where, you know, I mean, one of the things that we constantly laughed about with that was uh, Mike Kennedy saying, well, in saying in earnestness, not joking, that he already had the shells. The hardest part was done.
0: Which, which was insane because the, the, the console shape is the last thing you worry about.
1: Maybe it's expensive. Yes, getting a tool like getting Get a, a tool model tooled, done. tooled and getting all the tooling done is expensive, but it is not the most important fucking part. Kid- by, by, in no way, shape, or form is it the most important part. He looked at that and just went off and said, I'm almost there. And he's just, you can tell he looked at that and he just sat there. I don't know if he was drinking or smoking or maybe he was sober, but his imagination ran wild with it. And
0: he decided he had all the skill needed to put something in that box that could play games. Let's, let's, let's. Put a put a put a finer point on that. There is a good very good chance the Calico Chameleon would never have existed as a product if Mike Kennedy did not get the Jaguar shell mold. It might have never even been a, been a twinkle in his eye. Right, but that was the part that gave him the the spark, he which is like insane. Oh, I'm halfway there, which is insane. Yeah. By the way, oh, I say is. that. Um, I, I think it's interesting that the track record of these projects. And and someone commented, well, there's some n- the good nostalgia-driven products. A lot of them are game-related, but when I say nostalgia bait, I mean something that drags you in just on the surface, being like, "Hey, remember when? Play again?" Which was the, uh, you know, chameleon retro like tagline, like just oh, nostalgia, throw nostalgia at you. We want we cloud your judgment. You remember when you were four? I can give you that same feeling again when you're forty, or when you're thirty-five. Um, And you're going to feel exactly the same way, but it's going to cost some money. So, And I hated that tagline too, but I hated
1: it because for the type of person he was trying to get, that's the sort of schlocky, say-nothing
0: bullshit that works. Yes. It's used car salesman stuff. Yeah. It's used car salesman stuff. And we've seen it with other projects uh, since then. Absolutely. So this is why I put down a few notes here about accountability, delivering what's promised, and nostalgia, blinding, and clouding judgment. Accountability. A lot of times when these companies or ventures uh come up um there're companies that either didn't previously exist or maybe they they did other things. Talk about the Dreamcade before. Mm-hmm. There was a company and that guy's caught after me before. You know, they they did like, you know, arcade cabinets, like custom arcade cabinets and then they said we're going to do the Dreamcade. We're going to we're going to sell you uh, you know, a, a console where you can, remember, you can, like, scan. That was the
1: one with the ROMs. Like, you could search you for ROMs Yeah, on, like, you would, the special. you would,
0: you would uh, get a photo of a game. It, it would download somehow legally the ROM to oh, the yeah. console to play. It's like, that's, that's things like that. And a lot of people got taken in by by things like that. And then the problem is with a lot of these companies is that they don't worry about the ecosystem of their product even after it launches or even if it's a quality. The Retro engine, engine Sigma, some of those people were, some of those fucking consoles were, were smoking. They didn't even look like what they were supposed to look like. They were supposed to look like little Ataris. They looked up like silver, shitty Genesis systems. Yeah,
1: I remember they changed yeah. that shell.
0: So, like, but it doesn't matter, especially if it's an Indiegogo, because once it's out, they got your money.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing that a lot of people need to really be aware of with this is, like you said, the accountability. One, these people don't have a past in doing this. Um, and two, these the and, and, and you see it with the Intellivision Amico, too. So much of the talk makes it sound like, even if it's not directly said, that launch is endgame. Just sure. getting it out there is endgame. Support afterwards is not even remotely even thought of. For a lot of these people, they want to get the project out and move on to the next uh, you know, nostalgia debate.
0: Uh, a lot of times, these companies make enough money to, like, make it worth their time to put out a shoddy product, pro- but not it's not big enough where there's enough complaints and where people really go after them. For example, going back to the Dreamcade replay uh, here, they raised $228,000 uh, to 1,600 backers back then. So, for them, you know, that was that was enough for them. You know, we got that. And then you look at the updates in the community, and... You know, their last update uh, was like, let's see, uh, a year and a half ago. There was a patch in 2019, a patch update moving forward. When I saw, when I heard from this when this came out, people were not happy. When this came out, there was bugs; they needed patching. But it's like at some point they can just say, "Okay, we're done. We don't have to continue with this. It's not worth our time and money." If you complain, well, there's only 1,600 of you, right? It is what it is. We moved on. When, when again, a game console is an ecosystem that has to be supported and loved and cared for and nurtured, like baby Spike. Or, or, or you know, or it'll bite you on the chin. Um, so that's the one reason why we feel that it's necessary to point this stuff up. I think it's a disservice to the uh, consumers, and 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 it's also an, an insult to my intelligence. Others would say, "Well, it's just video games. Who cares? Why are you talking about this?" It's, it's like then you are allowing people to get taken advantage of. You're allowing nefarious people to potentially take advantage of others at that point. That's what it comes down to, right? Would you be comfortable? Would you you be able to do a podcast like this and not call out some of this stuff? Oh,
1: no. No, you've got to be able to call that out because it's the sort of thing that people get trapped up into. They see a flashy video or they see a... Uh, you know, a plastic shell or a rendering of a plastic shell that they think looks nice, and they, they go for it. And it's not like we haven't been, you know, caught up in it. And we weren't caught up, but we talked about that one, I think, ages, years and years ago, the Vega, that was like the portable the spectrum. St- spectrum. Yes, we, that, we mentioned it. That looks neat. And, I, you know, it ended up going nowhere. Um, these things have more failures than they do uh, success. success. Oh, yeah.
0: I, it's it's, hard. it's actually, we talked we talked about that all-game controller that a lot of people didn't get that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you only got to think of the ones that were actually a success when it comes to hardware and it gets difficult.
1: The, the new mini spectrum, I believe has a lot of people who are excited. Mini Um, spectrum. They're doing another uh, spectrum. I think there's, I think it's one of those.
0: Excuse me. ZX spectrum. ZX. Don't get mad um, at me.
1: Apparently there's a pretty decent homebrew community for it. Is that, was that on Kickstarter? I can't recall. I, like I said, I'm not super, super into it. Um, I mean, you look at stuff like the Polymega, which if you know, apparently shipping now. Is it actually shipping? If people started to get uh, those, supposedly, supposed to ship our pal it.
0: Dan says he, he got a notice saying it's on the way. Okay, we'll see, so forgot I he, mean, they finally got that, but that took them
1: four years,
0: or well, three years. So even a
1: success, three years, even a success, even one that finally came through in the end, you know, took a lot longer than I think people initially, a lot longer than people initially thought
0: it would. And and that changed what the original vision was as well yeah even like the final hardware project it wasn't what was originally intended right you know so it, again it's tough it's not like a company like analog has been around now for over 10 years uh, you know that, that's put out a lot of successful projects. Uh, uh, so you projects. see companies
1: like analog that that have succeeded in this way um okay
0: <laughs> but they walked before they ran right they, they did they did you know neo Geo you know control way stuff back in first. the day yeah. before they before they did the uh the, the original NT that was you know hacked from Famicom, for example. Uh, but you really got to be careful. You also have to be careful that these companies, um, it would be awesome if all these companies, you know hardware crowdfunding hardware is tough for a lot of different reasons because at that point, you don't have money to sustain it after the original you want to say investment in the company. You're helping to build that company. Right. Like, so, so all the people that pre-ordered $100 for the Amico help are helping to build the company up. It's a pre-revenue company. I guess there's difference between a pre-revenue and a revenue company. With a revenue co- company like Analog, if you're pre-ordering, pre-ordering that, they have money already from their past successes. They, they're sustainable. If something tragically happens to their current product, or whatever, they can probably still survive and go on and, and even uh, do refunds. A company like Intellivision or a startup, they don't have the funds necessarily if something goes wrong. They might just disappear. They may not. potentially they may be able to refund your money. Television is a startup. And that's, that's, another, thing.
1: that's another thing that um, we need to bring up that a lot of people are, are eager to support these things because they see the names they remember from their youth or their teenage years attached to them. So they see in television, they see um, Coleco vision attached to these things. They see Atari. On Coleco, something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They see Coleco. They see Atari. They see in television attached to these things. And, they think, oh, it's, you know, for my use, But it, it's yeah. not. It's an opportunistic person who spent money on a
0: trademark. Uh, not to get back to how much uh, the, the CEO of Intellivision Entertainment is a fucking liar. Um, but I remember earlier on when we said this had nothing to do with the original Intellivision and Mattel, Tommy called us out. Said, oh, we have some of the original people that worked uh, at Mattel at the time. The fucking SEC filing on Republic straight up says this company has nothing to do with, with Mattel and the original Intellivision console in the 80s. It says that on the fucking prospectus. The government-filed SEC prospectus says that. Yeah, well, to warn investors, it says that. That was,
1: that was a very specific era of Tommy Rico where he lied through his teeth about anyone he might have said hi to once.
0: Yes. Yes. So, again, but a lot of the people that buy this stuff they may not know. Oh, I see in television. Well, I remember having a television when I was a kid, even when that was a product, not a company that made it. Right. So I'm just going to assume it's the same people again. So there's a lot of hurdles. And unfortunately, and I saw someone, a really intelligent person that I respect on Twitter, sort of get, um, I don't want to say blind by nostalgia, but get, get overly enthusiastic, perhaps, oh, sure. about, about the Amico because, hey, you remember when you were a kid, you had a lot of fun. You want to relive that. And it's so easy to get taken in by that feeling. Yep. Nostalgia. We talk about how we always, we, we talk about if nostalgia is even a, like technically like a poison in a way. Uh, I, I
1: I always feel like nostalgia is
0: poison, and it always gets people who are
1: angry at me. Uh, they always like take me like extremely too serious. But yeah, overall, I think nostalgia is more poisonous than it is beneficial.
0: Well, we, but it can make you feel good. It's almost like alcohol is technically a poison. It Can make yeah. you feel good. Too much of it can kill you or make you throw up. At the same way, right?
1: Nostalgia. My biggest problem with nostalgia is too much nostalgia holds people back. They refuse to try new things because they're too wrapped up in making things the way they were. They're not paying well, attention to living
0: in the here and now. My problem is that nostalgia can <clears throat> not help you evolve as a person potentially because you want to be, stay trapped in that certain time as well. What I ex- that's exactly what. Oh, I was saying. okay. Well, you say move? <laughs> I thought you meant move forward, like games and things like that.
1: No, I mean like it, it, it traps your mindset in the past. You 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 are not open to new experiences. You are not open
0: to evolving. Oh, not just for games. I mean, in general. I mean, in
1: general, yes. Okay. Most people who are really into the 80s in, game, in terms of games also talk a lot about how they wish that it was still the 80s. I
0: mean, oh. I see people like. Well, that well I do, fine. but for other reasons. But yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love the 80s. Bring, bring back I'm, the. I'm happy with the social advances we've made, as small as uh, some of them but, may feel. But not in, not in fashion or music. Well, give me the fashion and music at least. Give me that. Okay. No, you think we're better off with 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 the with, uh, with with social media? And I think moving on is always beneficial as opposed to staying in the past. <laughs> All right, I want I want the music I want the music and members only jackets back. All right, give me yeah, that. Yeah, like a members only jacket. Oh, okay. See, we can agree That's on that. Fine. Uh, so anyway, just to put a little little uh, bow on this. Uh, it's important to call out these projects because of accountability or lack thereof delivering what is promised which goes into accountability but a lot of these don't deliver what is promised especially if it's an indiegogo which doesn't require a hardware prototype or a kickstarter and clouding your judgment it can it could happen yeah so i would my recommendation is just don't i'm not saying you can't want these tor- sort of products or or get into them wait until they are released Wait until there's a track record with the company, at least, that they've done yeah, prior projects. Yeah, I see projects. things all the
1: time that kind of grab my attention, but you just got to fucking be cool about it.
0: You just got to take a step back. Okay, I like that. Like the old days, Ian. Back in the old days, you wouldn't know a product was coming out, a toy or a game, until you saw it in your Toys R Us circular. Until or you saw it in your, your brand name's Christmas book. There you go. In your service merchandise catalog. Brand name's home for the holidays. We didn't have that one, but oh. okay. Uh, Ian, we, we're going to listen to some some voicemails, aren't we? I guess you go. To, you guess. Go to anchor.fm/slash to see a podcast, and leave, you can leave us a voicemail. Hopefully, it's a it's a shorter one that we appreciate the short ones. We're gonna, we're going to do a little spookier uh, Halloween themed one um, uh, this week for you. Spooky. We're going to we're going to work in a couple of things uh, here and there. Uh, we want to start with the Halloween one, or or, or, or work into it. Surprise I will start me. I will start with it.
2: Hey, Pat, and Ian, Blake from both New York here again. Question. Seeing as it's the Halloween season, what was your most favorite thing to go dressed up as? And also, what was your least favorite thing to get while trick-or-treating? Thanks for the content, guys. Love the show.
0: All right. Least favorite candy is easy. It's a tie between two. Charleston shoes and candy corn. Uh, that's, that's, that's easy uh, right there. Charleston shoes, uh, in theory, if they were good, I could never chew them. Uh, I still probably can't. And I think they still sell them. They sell them at our local candy store. That's an, it'd always be a nice old lady would give you that, because I guess, man, that was a big thing in the you know, in the 50s and 40s when they were growing up or 30s. Well, actually, in the 80s, they would have been 60. I
1: love a Charles. So in the
0: 20s and 30s, it was what they ate, because I go back 30 years. Um, candy corn is terrible. Um, it's shit. It's corn syrup. Uh, it gives me a headache. Um, there's always that one year where I think, okay, I'm going to eat this again. I'm going to give it a And then it gives me another headache, and it is awful. It is awful. It's, 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 there's no, there's nothing. It's, it's just corn syrup. It's shit. And, and food coloring, it's awful.
1: I actually don't hate candy corn as much as I think I do. Whenever I try it, I'm like, yeah, this isn't as bad as I remember it being. But I don't go out of my way to eat candy corn. Uh, my least favorite, uh, candy, Halloween candy, is, um, any of that Palmer brand chocolate, that mocklet shit. The fucking, it's gross. Palmer is a chocolate brand. It's, the pea is the rabbit head. You'll know it if
0: you look at it. I if up. I had that. Look up Palmer, Palmer chocolate. chocolate. Okay, I have a feeling you'll. What's, recommend... what's wrong with it?
1: It's 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 like fucking wax. It's like not real chocolate. Half of it is just like sugar. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I yeah. see the I see. I see the little it. pumpkin coins. Uh-huh. are the big.
0: I see the Santa heads. Yeah, the that, Santa heads. That and the pumpkin chocolate coins. Is, it's is disgusting. It's 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 so diluted and cut with other yes, shit. Exactly. You think you think Hershey's chocolate's cut? No, this is cut. This tastes like nothing. It's disgusting. It tastes like nothing. And, just, it, and they do the little balls, with the yeah, colored balls. It, it just tastes
1: oh. mildly sweet. It's no, absolutely, it's, not it's anymore. a letdown. It's very it's, disgusting. Our, thanks
0: for, when you said palm, what are you talking about? I picture the, just the colored balls. That
1: is my least favorite. And there
0: was there's That's always awful.
1: someone in the neighborhood who's giving those oh, things oh, out, and they're disgusting. Oh, they
0: did they did the, the coin-shaped Halloween stuff? That was terrible.
1: Yeah, the, pump, the foil pumpkins. Yes, the, the, the flat foil pumpkins? No, those are disgusting. terrible. Disgusting.
0: I never knew. I didn't there was a company that did all those consistently. Those yep. that that like low grade fucking chocolate. Yeah. Like two percent chocolate. That's them. Um, uh, and my favorite thing I ever went
1: as this Halloween was the pterodactyl costume. My mom made me. You when I was about a that kid. very I've sweet. About it, I yeah.
0: love your mom, Ian. I wish I, I can talk to her. She's a nice lady. Nice lady. She's a, she's a nice lady. That's a good compliment for your mom. All right. Uh, next year, is this is this we're gonna do double Blake?
2: Hey, Pat, and Ian, Blake from Buffalo, New York, here. Again. Buffalo. Uh, question for you guys today is uh, what is the one or a few favorite things you guys have ever picked up at a flea market or swap meet. I know here in Buffalo, we had a pretty big one called the super flea. It was an indoor and outdoor flea market, super flea. And there was always a vendor selling many games, uh, on the inside comes out. It was the same exact one. Me and my brother used to rent and play, uh, from the local blockbuster time and time again, which is pretty awesome.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a
2: good, that's a good one.
0: That is,
1: um, I actually did that once. I actually sold someone uh, a copy of um, I sold someone a copy of one of the WCW WWF wrestling games okay. for the N64, and it was their copy with their created wrestler still on it.
0: Wow! Yeah,
1: from when they were uh, kids. Uh, my favorite thing I ever got from a flea market was my uh, sadly gone. I miss it sometimes, but reality is I, I probably would have gotten rid of it again if I had the chance. Uh my fiber optic world of Nintendo signed. I paid ten whole dollars for that's,
0: that. That's that's a that's an L Ian. That's an L. Uh I Good mean enough. I sold
1: it to someone uh who needed it. Did I sell it to Scott? You did. I believe it was oh, either Scott or one of Scott's friends, so I don't care. It's fine. I hope I don't have the space for it, but yeah, that was a ten dollars fucking sign when I found it. Holy I think I'm, I'm
0: on principle, those cheap finds are tough to get rid of. It's like because wow, it's like those it those free basically. Yeah. Um, I talked about I was talking about my my military grade uh, night vision. W- one of the favorite things I ever saw because it was like a harbinger of things to come when I first visited here and bothered to eat in two thousand eight. Um, I went to the swap meet. I think before Comic Con. That Sunday, or I forget if I went that Sunday here, and one of the first things I saw on the far row at the the swap meet, I I literally almost looked, I looked past, almost stepped over it. There was a virtual boy set up on the stand in the rental blockbuster rental case, and like I just I literally looked past it towards the fence because it's like I was so conditioned in Jersey not to find that stuff anymore. Right, right. And so the literally the first swap meet I go to, I find that. And I couldn't. I had to have someone hold it for me here, in the hopes of mailing it back. You know, so it was so strange um, to find that. That's one of my favorite things because that was like the harbinger of me. Like, oh, there's always like not that. that that's why I moved out here. But it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt an awesome finding flea market stuff. Yeah, it didn't yeah. Hurt. That was my lifestyle. But I would go out to the flea market in Jersey, and you know, you'd find little things, but not stuff like that. And like every week, finding mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's why it's one of my my favorite things here. Hey, this is Jason from Tennessee. Have either of you ever thought that newer games feel less immersive than older games? Things such as voice acting and near graphics have taken away from a lot of imagination the brain has to offer. And it's made me feel like I put a lot less effort into thinking about the world of the game because it's laid out for you and it takes away from some of the experience. Some examples that come to mind for me are RPG games such as Morrowind, Oblivion vs. Skyrim, or PlayStation Final Fantasy vs. Newer ones. Let me know what y'all think think jason i think you answered your own question yeah when, when a game is presented as like a movie or it's so realistic or it's a bunch of cutscenes, then yeah it, it's doing everything for you there's no more imagination required you're seeing the story play out like you're watching a movie when you watch a movie you don't need to use your imagination you shut it off at that point
1: but Vo- yeah i I, uh, I agree with you 100 percent. voices are the big thing for me i I've me- i mentioned i've kind of alluded to that before when we talked about like um on uh the bonus podcast about uh, comics. I'm always weird about when a book or a comic gets animated or a book gets turned into a movie. Um, I already have a voice in my head. Sure. for these people. And then uh, having a look and a voice attached to a book or a voice attached to a comic or a cartoon, um, it it's never the way I, I I picture it. With RPGs, I just got used to being able to read them at my own pace and I kind of come what? up with voices. And yeah, having all of that done for me, I avoided RPGs with voice acting for the first couple of years that that became a big thing. And then it just got to the point where all games had voice acting and I, I just had to deal with it. But
0: I hated it. I uh. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you, you, there's more imagination put into simpler things. I, obviously, reading, um, you have to create the, the whole world in your head. Um, but even when you're playing an eight bit game, and there's like a semblance, some semblance of a story, but it's not at all thought of, And you can create it in, in your mind. It it seems like you get wrapped up in it. At least to me, you get wrapped up in it. more. Yeah, absolutely. You get wrapped up in hell. The fucking story. Playing Ninja Gaiden and trying to avenge your father, and you got a demon you have to take down. Um, Real quick about movies and, and versus books and things like that. My freshman year roommate uh, refused to go see – he was a huge Tolkien fan – refused to go see uh, Fellowship of the Ring uh, for that reason. He said, yeah. no, I don't want it to root. Like, and I, was, I looked at him like, wow, I wonder to this day if he – because those three, out of any set of movies, those three were done with, with, with probably the most amount of care to the source material that you could have imagined and, and thoughtfulness. And sort of quality amongst a trilogy—that's it to me. Like, I that that was incredible that that they pulled that off with all three movies like that. Yeah,
1: and my dad was real. My dad is a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and he was very nervous leading up to those movies. He ended up liking them.
0: And yeah, they changed some stuff and characters here and there. Yeah. And, He's like, got
1: his issues with them, but overall, he was really impressed. I mean, with you him. could
0: do a hell of a lot worse, right? Like a like a lot worse. Yeah, uh, you know, make Gimli a little bit too much comic relief, for example, things like that. And it's like, yeah. That's why I assume they made him a little more comic relief for my liking as a character. But, um, yeah, I can totally see that for sure. All right, next. Hi, guys. This is Jose from Michigan. My question today is, what is a game or genre that you keep coming back to and appreciate even though you may be terrible at it? For me, it's shoot-'em-ups, both vertical and horizontal. I am horrible at them but have fun playing them. Also, are there any forgiving and beginner friendly shoot 'em ups that you would recommend? Thanks for taking my question.
1: Um, so before I lose my train of thought, as far as like beginner shoot 'em ups are ones that I think are a little bit easier for people to get into. Uh, Gun on the NES, um, Blazing Lasers on uh, the TurboGrafx 16slash PC Engine, um. I also think in terms of, like, slightly more modern shooters that, you know, add a lot more going on to the screen, I think um, uh, the uh, Gunbird shooters are fairly um, forgiving and fun to learn on. So maybe try those. Um, and then as far as games that I always go back to that I'm horrible at, fighting games. Fighting game, I buy just about every fighting game that comes out. I love fighting <laughs> games. I am miserable <laughs> at them. I love them. You, I d- you need
0: my stance that I did at Retro yeah. Palooza.
1: I love them. I don't have the hand speed coordination or patience for them.
0: But you still like? Trying but I to like. Get through them. I like the. Well, yeah, I trying, like the whole idea I, of fighting games. I don't, I'm trying to. I don't think there's a game genre I, that I suck at that I, I enjoy playing because otherwise, I don't know. I just yeah, I don't want. I want to torture myself here.
1: I was pretty optimistic about the Amico. I liked what Tommy was saying. Uh, I, I was liking what I was hearing. I was liking the sales pitch. But after looking at what's been happening since the, the year, holy crap. Like It's, it's just a, uh, an absolute train wreck. It's a disaster. And, yeah, I don't see a point for this console. I really don't. I really don't know how this thing is going to do well at all.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting the words you said. I liked what I was hearing. hearing.
1: And that's the thing. A lot of people liked what Tommy was
0: hearing. Or, or like, liked
1: what, what Tommy was saying. They liked what Tommy they liked what they were hearing, because uh, Tommy was. But that's that was kind of the first thing that made my ears perk up when it was announced. Is he was saying too much of the right stuff, yes. and that was never going to
0: come to fruition. And and when then when you, you know even before there was any concrete, I mean all the all the plans changed. It was going to be a two D console, the best two, the best two D chip ever. Yep, they had remember Burger Time and all these licenses, All this stuff was lined up, and it's like. Looking back, it's like, wow, all that stuff he presented at Portland back in uh three years ago. Yeah. How much of that was just him just pulling shit out of his ass?
1: Yeah, what he promised at Portland is absolutely not what anyone's getting.
0: 149 to 179, games three dollars to eight dollars. That's none of that's none of that. Our type, burger time, tron deadly disc. Yeah, woo! They're all in the way. All of them are coming. They're gonna be here anyway. Best best two D chip ever. Yep. Better better than Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft can come up with absolutely. Uh, let's do a few more here.
2: Hey. Pat. Hey, Ian. Jeff Dickinson here from Dallas, Texas. Now, I appreciate Simon. Remember that game that was invented by Ralph Baird? It came out, like, right about the same time that Atari did, and to me, I believe personally that Simon is a part of video game history. Now, I'm not sure if you ever played it or haven't played it and enjoyed it or appreciate it the way I do, but I think it's... Part of an important level of our history of video games, just because of who invented it.
0: That, that's a good point. We we, we we had it in video game years seventy seven. Yeah, we did talk about um, it. it. It's not technically a video game. It's you know, it's it's a toy. It's a, it's an electronic game, but you know, it's well,
1: it, yeah, it's it's from that era where I think I think you can count it as maybe part of. It's not exactly video games, but it's part of that early electronic game history. Yeah. Where I mean, back then, things like the Atari the Tommy blip which was electromechanical stuff like the led, Simon, the LED games the led games the, the back then they were all kind of looked at as similar the same thing now granted they branched off and became different things sure or or, or looked at differently but yeah I, I can understand that viewpoint
0: all right let's do a couple more here hey this is leland judson from the toronto area and calling behalf of the lelanders youtube community just like to say, I love your guys' coverage of the Intellivision Amico. Don't always agree with your other topics, but I love oh. how Pat's been discussing the X-Files lately.
1: Questions for both of you. Have you ever seen a paranormal
0: occurrence, sort of like UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, or extraterrestrials? Oh. And would you like to see another X-Files game made? I played the one for the PS1, and I thought it was a real stinker. Even worse <laughs> than me. Take care. I never played the X-File games. I remember they had a, like one or two computer ones. Yeah, the I mean, PS2 or, one was like an interactive movie sort oh, of deal, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I'd rather it be like an adventure game, sure, where you solve you solve something as a procedural. Because that's basically what the series is. That it's right. hard. To, it's a procedural. Um, I've I have seen lots of weird stuff at my old house in New Jersey. Lots of ghosts. Lots of things. I've gone into detail for it. He thinks I'm crazy. He thinks my whole family's mad. Ghosts. But no, I've seen. We've seen lots of lots of things. I have never seen. Um, what i think would have been a ufo i've seen things in the sky that looked weird that were like it's like what is that is that a helicopter is that a star like you see that stuff um as a kid um i've never seen something like that which is unfortunate because i because you know i was into the i was into that stuff but i never went hunting for it either i think stuff like that it's like either everyone sees it there's like events that have happened in like new york new jersey i've he- heard about where like you know back in like the seventies where like everyone saw something with whatever that night was right and it's like when I was alive, I never heard of that stuff and nothing local like that obviously um what about you Ian? you know about my ghost stories uh what about you? have you seen anything that was kind of weird no. any, any critters Mm-mm. Jersey devil buffalo devil buffalo devil <laughs> the <laughs> buffalo <laughs> Devil.
1: <laughs> just a buffalo with horns
0: I'll to tell the one one of the ghost stories I'll yeah, I'll do tell it me? do it, tell it up okay. So I'll, I'll tell you the one story. I've can tell i told it in a sequence before. There's like six or seven things that I've seen in my house or that other family members have seen. Uh, one of the last things I saw, um, by the way, whenever I went back to visit my parents' uh, house and stayed there for, after I moved out went and went to a garden apartment, it always still felt weird, uh, especially in my bedroom because all the weird feelings were in that corner of the house. It was the back room where the furnace was, um, and it was that hallway outside of my door by the bathroom and my fucking room. I never got a good night's sleep for like years at one point because of that, that weird feeling. Anyway, so I was in the middle of moving out. So I'm 25, 26. And then I'm, I'm packing up all the clothes from my closet. It's the middle of the day. It's like a, probably like a Saturday afternoon or a Friday afternoon price. Now it's working. So it was like a Saturday afternoon. And, um, my closet is about three feet from the door. It's one of those sliding doors like you know, on the rollers. And I'm, and I'm just packing stuff up, and something weirdly told me to look outside my door. I get this weird feeling to look outside the door. And so I took like a step and a half to the left, and I looked outside my door, and about six feet away where the hamper was. The hamper was right outside the door. So it was like a, about a six, six to seven-foot hallway about until it made a left turn and went to my parents uh, there. It's a split-level house. Um, I saw a black form that was probably around, so let's just say, seven feet tall. In the vague form of a person, uh, it was almost like the best. The best comparison I can tell you is like there was the old Scooby Doo episode where like it was like a kind of a black figure, ghost or something from the intro, where it's like it looked like limbs and it looked like a form and it looked like a head, but it wasn't like well sketched out. It was all like almost like parts of like someone like cutting out like like a paper doll sort of thing. Gotcha. Um, if that makes more sense, and it was there, and when I saw it, it like did this. It did like a little twitch. I swear to God. Yeah. It did like a twitch as if I caught it. Like I wasn't supposed to see it. You spooked the spook. I I spooked this thing. It twitched and then it shot out of my view down the hallway where I couldn't see it. And it wasn't like a tenth of a second. It was a full second, like one 1,000. Um, so it wasn't out of the corner of my eye. It was directly on. And then I was like, Oh my, okay, I saw it. I didn't get freaked out. I said, okay, I saw it. And then I tried to think logically, okay. Was it a shadow from something? Did a car pass by? And it was such a spot in the corner that there was no direct light source that could have made the shadow like that, especially if it was seven feet tall. Um, and so I saw it, and then my mom was in the living room. I said, Mom, uh, yeah, I just saw something. She's like, oh, yeah? And I'm, I'm like, yeah. And at, at that point, it wasn't shocking because, like I said, it was I saw a string of things over the couple of decades prior living there. Right. So it wasn't like a shock that I saw that. It was like one of us, like several things that I've talked about before. That I saw, but that was the last thing I saw there. And then my parents moved out at seven, eight years ago. And you know, good luck to the people that moved in. You might see some stuff every now and then. My <laughs> mom had my mom experienced glasses falling off the counters and things like that Happened a few times. Mm. Things like that. Um, I got her a mine sun calendar uh, that was on a nail, and she found it. She found it on the ground, not down on its face. On the ground, against the wall, the nail's still there. Huh. And it's like, yeah, huh, how do you do that unless you picked it up and put it there? It would not slide off if the nail was still there. So weird stuff like that. Weird stuff like that, and besides, we saw stuff. So all right, Ian's not going to call me crazy this time. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for not calling me crazy. You're like, I'll let him have his little his little dreams. All right, one more from a, from a friend. Hey, Pat. I hope you're happy that television's bleeding money over here, but we're going to make this right, okay? Because we got someone here who wants to say hi, don't we?
1: Oh, yeah. They got me all tied up back here, Pat. They jumped me right by the swap meet. Tommy got out of the car with a bunch of sweaty guys, and they threw me in the trunk. One of them wasn't even wearing a shirt, for Christ's sake. Hey, watch your mouth, or we're going to make you play the Amico again. Oh, God,
0: no. Anything (laughs) but that. What an overpriced piece of crap. Well, look, you're entitled to your opinion, and I'm entitled to throw this ColecoVision AC adapter at your head. Ow. (laughs) You left that up and do it again. Ow. Here's how this is gonna go. You guys are gonna take back everything you said about me, or you're gonna see me at the swap meet selling pieces of Frank. Be sure to look up the market value too, so
1: you can brag to everybody on flea market madness about how much money you saved, you douche.
0: Ow. (laughs) No! No! no, no, Tommy! Frank! You've gone too far. <laughs> you can you don't touch Frank, innocent Frank. You, are you kidding me?
1: Well, I was going to go to work after this, but now we have to go rescue
0: Frank. What the hell, Tommy? I demand his immediate release. <laughs> I demand proof of life. I want two hairs off his, his great mustache. <laughs> what the hell's going on, man? Well, this was a fun one, right? Yeah, that was a good episode. Uh, if you want more of this, we got we, us talking about burgers and and and, 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 and pickles. You go to Patreon.com/slashCupodcast. So you can get our bonus episode for this week. Uh, we will try to do them. You know, most weeks, maybe not every week, but you know, we'll keep it going. Yeah. If you like it, appreciate it. Uh, to loop. So hopefully, you're back. Gets better. You know? Yeah, we'll say about that. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe an NES Punk episode. Maybe for Halloween. All right, we'll see you later. Bye.